podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Let's do this fast. Your cousin from Boston. Sam Adams Summer Ale is brewed with a hint of citrus. Perfect for a hot summer day. Like this one. And a commercial. It's peak tanning hours, dude. I'm out. Sam Adams Summer Ale. The Boston Beer Company. Boston, Massachusetts. Drink responsibly. Hey, imagine if all your frustrations about advertising your business could be solved right now. You should know that podcast listeners are more engaged in higher converting than any other advertising medium. So try AdHub today and reap the rewards of Spreaker self-advertising platform. It makes it as effortless as ever to be heard by thousands, regardless of the listening app they use. Visit Spreaker.com forward slash AdHub. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com forward slash AdHub. And start using your advertising dollars in an impactful way. Table podcast where tonight we are previewing the Southampton versus Liverpool game this coming Friday night. Joining me once again for the Reds, we have Jay Riley. You can catch Jay on the Radio City Fan Friday talk show and now regular with us on the Cop Table. So welcome back onto the to the show, Jay. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, Peter. You know, looking forward to this game on Friday now and just gotta keep the momentum going and keep on winning games. Definitely, yeah. And joining us for Southampton once again, being what being with us uh, previously as well, Richard Brayton. Richard was uh, born in South Africa, raised in the UK, uh, lifelong Saints supporter. So, thanks for your time again, Richard. How are you, pal? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me back on. Brilliant stuff. Okay, we're just going to look back at the uh, the previous fixtures for uh, for both both sides. Going to go over to Jay first and talk. About about our two-one victory over Spurs at the weekend, the injury time winner from well, an own goal assisted by Mo Salah. Um, but just give us your thoughts on on the performance um, of the team and um, and how important this victory is for the rest of the season, please, Jay. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously going into the game, it's it's never ideal, is it, after an international break? Because we spoke on the last podcast and we about the fact that Liverpool tend to struggle when we've had a break and not just necessarily the international break. I mean, when we were knocked out of the FA Cup at the early stages, then we had a couple of warm weather training, didn't we? And then it just didn't seem to work. We seemed very disjointed when we came back the very next game and took a bit of time to get going. But I, I don't know, really. I thought in the first half, Liverpool did play quite well against Spurs on Sunday. And we were quite clearly the better side and we took the lead early on and should really have added to it. And, you know, I think Spurs were really struggling with the, the shape that they played. I think they seemed to like have like three centre-halves and two wing-backs and it didn't really shoot them. It left them a little bit isolated in the middle of the park. And Liverpool's midfields, you know, not the best really with Anderson, Milner and Wijnaldum in there. You know, it comes in for a lot of criticism by Liverpool fans and, I was surprised that Fabinho never started the game, but you know, as as the game developed, he came on late on in the second half and and performed quite well. But 
I thought in the first half it didn't really matter too much because Spurs couldn't really cope that much and Liverpool were on top and just a little bit of a shame that we never added to our lead. It was a fantastic ball in by Andy Robertson, wasn't it? And Firmino got his head on it and put his 1-0 up. And I say we had a couple more opportunities, really, didn't we? Mane should have possibly have scored one or he maybe could have put Robertson in, but he decided to go for goal. Salah had a little effort as well on goal. Um, I, I did think Liverpool were on top, but in the second half, Pochettino changed a little bit and I did say on the last podcast that I can't see it being like the, the game last season where, for me, I thought Spurs were the best team that came to Anfield last season because in the second half, in that game that we drew 2-2 last season against them, I thought they were, they were fantastic in the second half and Liverpool couldn't really get out of our own half. But the main instigator that, that day for me was, was Dembele, who's actually moved on and been sold in the January time. So I wasn't expecting it to go like that, but it was very reminiscent of that game, to be honest with you. I thought second half, Tottenham were the better team, really, and when they equalised, I think the goal was coming. Liverpool were sort of like trying to contain them, really, and the goal was coming, and, and when they equalised, I mean, it came as no surprise to me, and it did seem like if anyone was going to win the game, it was Tottenham. They had quite a few opportunities, didn't they, after they equalised against us, and you know, it was a disappointing second half performance, really. And Fabinho come on and sort of like steadied it a little bit for us. But that chance that uh, Sissoko had was just unbelievable. I mean, the defending by Virgil van Dijk was sensational, really, because he knew that he had to try and guide in a certain way. Because if he would have left the space open for Son, I mean, we all know how good he is. He's potent in front of goal. And because of the way van Dijk defended it really well, he marshaled it. It meant Sissoko had no option but to shoot on his on his, his left hand side, which is his weaker side, and he just hit it over the bar. It was a shocking, shocking effort, really. And you know, Liverpool always had that little chance, didn't they, where we were going to push and try and get a winning goal because the draw was no good to us, really. Because I remember feeling a little bit resigned, to be honest, in the cop, thinking to myself that you know, if we, if we do, everything was going through my mind, if if this would have stayed one one, you know, really it would have been we would have went joint top with City. But they obviously they've had the game in hand still, and and it would have been a free hit really because they could have afforded to lose the game in hand and still stay top of the table on goal difference because they've got a superior goal difference to us. So that's how important it is now for Liverpool to win every single game. We cannot afford to drop any points and give City that little bit of impetus really that they need. I mean, they're already it's already in their hands and not in our hands. But what I'm saying is, if Liverpool as soon as Liverpool drop points. They they've got a cushion there where they can they can lose a game of football, which at this moment in time the draw is good enough for us as long as we win all of our games. So, you know, it was vitally important to get that win and goal and you know, the circumstances of how it came, absolutely incredible really. I mean, you know, the a great ball into the box and Salah's header was pretty weak to be honest, straight at the goalkeeper. And I just don't know what Larice was doing because uh, to me he could he could have just held on to it. We decided to palm it away. It hits Alder with Alder, and then, I mean, when you see the freeze frame of it, where, or the, the slow-mo of the video, it's absolutely incredible where not only does he try and flip it away, he misses the ball completely. And because he misses the ball, he seems to put Alder with Alder off, trying to clear it off the line. So Alder with Alder then delays, and then it just trickles over the line. And, and honest to God, I mean, the scenes in the cop were just, it was pandemonium. It was absolutely incredible. It was such an important goal for me. 
I mean, it's, it's always great anyway, scoring the last minute winning against any team. And when we go back to the Derby game in December, the, the circumstances behind that, a massive howler by Pickford, bounced off the bar and Oregon heads it in. I didn't celebrate that as much as I celebrated this goal against Tottenham. And there's two reasons why. The first reason is because I actually wasn't sure the goal that we scored in the Derby game that Aragui scored was going to stand. Because I was convinced it was going to be disallowed for whatever reason because it seemed to bounce off the bar. wasn't sure whether it had actually gone out of play. I just didn't know what had gone on. It was only you know, when you realised that the goal was going to stand that you started, well, me personally started going crazy. But the goal against Tottenham was just unbelievable because I think it's not just the way it went in because it was a comedy of errors and it trickled over the line. It was as though the cops sucked it in. It was unbelievable. But it, it's it's now we're in the situation where every game is a must-win game. So the importance of the goal was absolutely incredible. Being like in the 90th minute, virtually no time for Spurs to get back into the game, albeit he did two last season. So you weren't 100% certain. But it's just the, the turn of events of the way, way it occurred, the way it happened. It was just fantastic. And, you know, as I say, be, being in the cop was just incredible. It was just unbelievable scenes. And, you know, let's hope for more of that between now and May. But, you know, every game's just filled with tension now. And it's it's just everything's so important. And we just have to get three points all the time. It doesn't necessarily matter the manner of the performance levels now. It's just all about getting the three points because, you know, We've only got a couple of games left, really, haven't we? So, you know, six games to go. We've got to win every single one and just hope that City slip up in one of the games. We've got a, a couple of tough games coming up, haven't we? A couple of away games. But, you know, it was just vital to get them three points on Sunday against Spurs. Great stuff. Cheers, Jay. OK, then, Richard, going to go over to yourself. Just looking back at a few of um, Southampton's previous fixtures. You've had wins against uh, Fulham. Is have beat um, the only defeat is the United game three two away at Old Trafford, and then he's beat Spurs at home, um, and then beat Brighton away one nil at the weekend. So um, just give us a little bit of your thoughts on the the recent form that Southampton are in, please, Rich. Uh, yeah, it's been amazing over the last few months. Although it doesn't feel like we're on a run because uh, the Brighton game was our first game for three weeks with the. Um, not playing in the FA Cup and then the international break. So um, we'd built up that momentum for a while and um, we're looking really good in that run of games. Yeah, we only lost against United, but um, had the um, refereeing decisions been correct throughout the game, we may well have won that. So um, it's it's been incredible under Hazel Huxley's massively transformed uh, the team. Uh, I saw a table, I think, the other day where... Um, since the turn of the year, on um, we'd be fifth in the Premier League um, if it started then. So it just shows how good a job he's done. Um, the game against Brighton at the weekend was fairly stale. Um, Brighton are fairly well-renowned for not playing the most ambitious football, um, and they continued in that vein, um, particularly in the first half, and it was a, a very stale game. We looked like we hadn't played for, uh, for three weeks, similar to what Jay was saying about Liverpool earlier. You could tell we hadn't had a competitive fixture for a while. Um, so hopefully in the game coming up on Friday, we can bring a bit of momentum from that and start playing uh, in the same vein that we were in uh, in the run of games before the break. Yeah, and you mentioned there about your, your new manager, Ralph um, Hasselhutl, I think you, you pronounce it. What's, what sort of changes um, tactically and personnel-wise has he made to, to Southampton since he was brought in as the, as the first team manager, please? Um, yeah, so the big one tactically is um, bringing in the sort of high press style 
um, we're a lot more energetic. And I think in the last few games, um, us along with, with Liverpool, I think, have run the most um, in games in the Premier League. Um, he's given us a much more um, sort of organised shape against Mark Hughes. It was sort of 11 players on a pitch, just without any sort of plan or identity, just having a go and looking completely out of their depth. Um, whereas with Haas and Hussle, the shape's much better. Uh, they press as a team, they move really well. Um, and um, in doing that, he's also brought in quite a lot of the young players as well. Um, we've obviously been famed for our youth academy in the past, but that seems to have been allowed to slip in the far past uh, few years, starting off under uh, sort of Koeman and then under um, a succession of managers. There hasn't really been the opportunity for those young players to play. Um, and Hussle took the bold step of shipping out um, European winner Cedric and um, Wesley Hoot and Stephen Davis out on loan um, and deciding to trust in young players like Ednarek, um, Jan Valery, who'd only played one Premier League game ever when Haas and Huddle came in. Um, and he put the trust in him so much that he you know, decided to ship Cedric out on loan to Inter Milan and, and put faith in the youngster. And it's paid dividends. He scored the winning goal for us the other day. He scored against United. Um, and it's kind of really showing the freedom that, that young players have um, when they're brought into the side and, and play without, without fear and without the pressure that, um, of the failure of the past um, that maybe some of the older players are playing with. Great stuff. Cheers, Rich, for your um, your thoughts there on the recent Southampton performances and the the new manager. So, going to head up back over to Jay. Just talking about still about the the Tottenham game. Jay Klopp mentioned in his press conference today that there was, like you said before, there was a change in tactics from Spurs in the second half, and we took our time to adapt to them tactics. And he said it, it won't happen again. They're, they're going to be working on that in the training ground. So, with that in mind. To, to Southampton now we always talk about what, what sort of formation he's going to play um, how do you see him playing this this fixture against Southampton do you see him with the two do you see him going with the four four three three like he did um, at the weekend I, I think he likes the four three three mainly doesn't he I mean at times this season he did tinker with the system playing a four two three one to accommodate certain players and I think some of the time that was to play the likes of Cater and Lalana or Shakiri earlier on in the season. And to me, I think 4-3-3 is the way to go because if you look at last season, that's like basically the system we played that got us to a Champions League final. And also, you know, we became in the top four, didn't we, in the Premier League. So, you know, I could understand the reasons why he tried to adapt it a little bit for the personnel that we've got now in the squad. But I don't think it really suited us that much. It certainly didn't suit Firmino, did it? Because, I mean, he's had to play a deeper role. And he, as we all know, he's better playing as the main man up front, isn't he? Where he can work the centre-halves. And, he, you know, he, he does drop deep and he does pull wide. But, you know, his movement's so good that he keeps the centre-halves very honest, doesn't he? Because he works so hard. And, you know, I just think he struggled really playing in a more deeper role. And I don't really think it suited Salah either, to tell you the truth, because, yeah, OK, he still scored a few goals. But I just think he's he's better suited cutting in from the right-hand side. It just suits him a lot better. And, you know, last season he was scoring, like, what, twos and threes and fours in games. Like, this season, it seemed to dry up a little bit, hasn't it? And I know, like, he has predominantly been playing on the right lately when he's, like, not been scoring many goals. I think he's got one eleven, which is... Unbelievable, really, for Mo Salah, isn't it? But I just think it suits him better playing in that role. I mean, it's better for us in general as a team playing that system. I mean, 
I, I just think though what he needs to do is and certainly after that game on Sunday he's got to be playing for Bino. he's got to be the first name on the team sheet in the middle of the park because he's just so important to us I think I mean he's he's always in the right place right time he breaks the play up well and it's always forward thinking in terms of that's the first thing he thinks about is a forward pass and like you know Jordan Henderson comes in for a lot of criticism and I think some of it's unfair and unjust but thought he was poor at the weekend against yes, Spurs I thought he really did struggle and you know, it doesn't do himself any favours with some of his passing, some that, that go astray, and you know, there was all the English England stuff, wasn't he? Where he wasn't fit and available to play for Liverpool against Fulham, but then he played for England. And you know, let's be honest, football nowadays there's a lot of sports science involved, and make no mistake, he would have been passed fit to play for England. So it wasn't a case of he's prioritised playing for England over Liverpool. That's nonsense, but you can see why it gets people's backs up because, you know, it's just a bit strange, isn't it, that he wasn't, he's meant to be club captain. He wasn't available to play against Fulham and then, like, what was it, not even a week later he plays for England. So it just leaves a little bit of a distaste and I get that. I get why, where fans are coming from with it, but to be perfectly honest, if I was to pick Liverpool's strongest 11, I don't think I'd have Jordan Henderson in it. I said, didn't I, when I was saying about the team last, last week? Um, I wouldn't have started him. I mean, I would have started Milner purely because he'd been in Melbourne for two weeks because he doesn't go on international break no more. I would have started Fabinho and Wijnaldum because Wijnaldum's been great for most of this season. So I wouldn't be starting Jordan Henderson anyway, whether he's the club captain or not. Um, but, you know, that said, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what Klopp does go with at the weekend because, you know, well, on Friday night because... You know, you're not going to want to change that back line too much either. I mean, Joe Gomez is back now from injury, but he's been out for four months. So you can't really be throwing him into action too soon, really. He's going to like sort of like try and nurture him back into things, really. He's only just really being back to full full training. So he's not going to be 100% fit. Is he to play games or to start? Is he on the bench at the weekend, Jake Gomez? Uh, to be to be perfectly honest, I never even really noticed much about the bench. To be honest, because uh, of Saturday, Saturday night, but um, I'm not too sure whether he was or he wasn't. To tell you the truth, Peter, but he certainly wouldn't be starting games not yet because it's he's, he's missed a lot of football, hasn't he? Four months, and you know, to be perfectly honest with you, Joel Matip's done quite good in his absence, so you can't really turn around to the lad and bomb him off the team. It's just not the way Klopp works. It's just not the way he does things, is it? Um, it's like the Oxley Chamberlain situation as well. You know, people were getting giddy about him, weren't they saying he's he'll play us in the running, but let's let's be brutally honest about it. The lad doesn't play for twelve months. So you every every single game we play now, it's vitally important. They're all massive games, aren't they? So, you know, you can't expect someone who hasn't played football for a whole year to then be be involved in a title running, maybe maybe ten, fifteen minutes off the bench, but Starting games is an absolute no-no. You know, it's ridiculous to think that he'd be capable of doing it, you know what I mean? So, you know, my theory behind it is, you know, you're going to have the same back four, aren't you? You're going to have, obviously, the goalkeeper, Alisson, between the sticks. And then the midfield, for me, is, is always, as ever, it's the dilemma, isn't it? You know, you go with your front three of Mane, Salah and Firmino, and then it's the midfield trio, isn't it? And, and to me, it'd be Fabinho. Milner and Wijnaldum but you know Klopp tends to go with Henderson quite a bit doesn't he so whether or not Henderson will get the nod over Milner I'm not too sure but it's certainly a dilemma going into this game and I do think you know the likes of Southampton I mean Southampton have had an uptick in form haven't they since they got this new manager on board I mean 
he's likened to Klopp in a way, isn't he? Because he's very charismatic and likes his teams to, to work hard for each other and very attack-minded at times. And maybe they do let a few in as well at the back. So I am expecting goals, to be honest with you, on Friday night. But, you know, it's certainly going to be a tougher game now than, say, two or three months ago. Great stuff, Jay. Yeah, just I just had a little look then. Joe Gomez wasn't actually on the bench at the weekend, so um, he might get a recall to the bench on Southampton on Friday. That'll um, we'll just have to wait and see on that one. So, Rich, just going back over to yourself, like Jay talked about, then the Liverpool expected lineup and um, formation. How do you see um, Southampton lining up? Your one to eleven, and um, what sort of formation do you think your manager is going to be playing at uh, on Friday evening? Please, Rich. Uh, well, since he's come in, he's he's played three at the back a lot, but he's made no secret of his desire to move to his preferred 4-2-2-2 formation, which uh, he did do against Brighton after having um, sort of best part of three weeks to work with the team. So I'd expect him to probably stick with the same uh, formation again, um, certainly to start with. Um, and then if it looks like we're getting um, sort of overwhelmed, he may well stick the extra centre-back on and, and go to the three centre-backs. Um, but Considering four at the back, I'd expect to see uh, Angus Gunn continuing goal, um, Bertrand and Valerie to continue as the fullbacks. With um, I'd probably say Bednarek and Yashida at this stage. Uh, Vestergaard missed the game against Brighton with um, I think a groin strain or something, so um, I wouldn't have thought he'd be back. Um, and even if he is fit, I don't see him um, probably dislodging either of those two at this stage. Um, and then the midfield, um, sort of the, the deeper two, um, is more likely to be Hoybia and Romeo, um, with Armstrong and Ward-Prowse as the two in front of them. Um, with um, well, Danny Ings is uh, is obviously ineligible for this game, so normally he would have been with with Redmond as the two most advanced players. Um, but I just wonder whether he might bring in somebody like. Um, Josh Sims, he's got uh, got quite a lot of pace. Um, obviously, saw what he did um, at Anfield in the League Cup a couple of years ago. Um, so I'd, I'd like to see him um, in a more advanced position near uh, near Redmond. Um, with uh, especially considering Shane Long has been injured for a while, I don't think he's back. Um, Sam Gallagher hasn't really played enough football for us, and Charlie Austin, although he's a he's a decent enough goal scorer, he doesn't really fit the system, um, and I can't see him. Um, being suited to uh, the sort of the high press that we'll uh, we'll be employing against Liverpool, so uh, my hope would be for for Sims and, and Redmond as the front too. But um, Hazel Huttle could could surprise us and, and chuck in somebody from the academy that's, that's never even played before. Um, that's the kind of thing he does every now and again. So we'll have to wait and see on on who replaces him. Great stuff. Cheers, Rich. Okay, Jay, just asked. I'd like to ask you about one or two of the players that haven't featured um, recently. I know we spoke about it on, on the last podcast. And once again, the two players in question, Keita and, and Shaqiri, um, both on the bench, failed to get any minutes. Do you see um, it being pretty much like this for, for the remainder of the season, but where they're going to be used sparingly? Or do you think as the season progresses, the last few games, a few fresh legs being introduced, how, how do you see the situation? working out for them too please Jay quite difficult to say isn't it because the thing is like when you look back to the game against Fulham and when you look back to the game against Burnley Lallana started both of them games didn't he so I mean Klopp can do it he can just throw someone in 
you know, from the you know, like where you just think to yourself, where's he come from? I mean, everyone was couldn't believe it, could they? When Lallana was starting against Burnley, um, and then because he did perform well in that game, surprisingly, because no one was expecting it, really, because he'd been out injured for quite a while. Um, he then kept his place for the game against Fulham, didn't he? And I, I think what you'll find is Liverpool have got the Champions League again soon, haven't they? They've got Porto next week, and then we've got them the week after as well. So. You know, there is a chance that some of the players will be. Obviously, he might play play them in certain games. I'm not too sure. It's a, it's a strange situation because it doesn't seem to me like he trusts Cater or Shakiri in terms of a tactical sense. Now, I think they're both good footballers in their own right, but in terms of shooting the way Liverpool play and what Klopp wants from his players, and, that, and what I'm talking about here is tactical awareness. And I just don't think they give Klopp what he wants in that sense. And that's why he does tend to prefer the more rigid midfield of your Fabinho's and your Milner, your Henderson, your Wijnaldum. Because, you know, they're like your teacher, teacher's pet, if you like. They do everything that Klopp wants from them. Whereas with Shaqiri and Keita, they're a little bit more forward thinking than the others. But they, they, they vacate the positions a little bit too much for what he wants. So I don't think he trusts them enough if you get where I'm coming from, especially now where these games are all massively important. As I said before, it's not necessarily about the performance levels of playing entertaining and champagne football. It's more about getting the job done and getting the results. And he got, It's his go-to men, isn't it? The likes of Milner and your Henderson. And obviously, Wijnaldum's had a very good season and Fabinho as well. He's, he's sort of like managing minutes, isn't he, with certain players. But... They are his go-to men in terms of like putting a shift in and grinding out results. And you know, some fans don't like that, and and I, I tend to agree, to be honest with them. But you know where we are into the the depths of the season now. There's only six games to go, two Champions League games minimum, maybe four, maybe five, hopefully. And you know it, we've got this far now playing the way Klopp wants us to in that sense. And you know, he hasn't done too bad, has he, with this this type of system and this type of setup and the personnel that he prefers to use. So, you know, it it, it is a very interesting one to see what type of minutes that they are going to get between now and May. And it's difficult to really, truly assess. But I just don't think he trusts either of them. I think, if anything, he trusts Lalana more than them. It's just that Lalana's not, he's not fit enough, really, is he? Because he, he's, he's fit for a couple of weeks and then he's injured again for a couple of weeks. He's a very frustrating player, isn't he? We all know he's got ability. You know, we signed him from Southampton, and you know he's done well for us. You know, you can't knock it. Like he's been, a, he's been a decent signing, but the injuries have just been frustrating, and he's not really been able to get a, much consistency going, really, has he? So, from that aspect of it, I, I'd be surprised if he starts the game at St Mary's on Friday night. But you know, like I say, it's all about getting the three points, and you know, going forward now. I don't envisage them starting many games, the two that you've just mentioned there, and it's the same with Lalana as well, but because the Champions League games are coming in as well, got the two games against Porto, you might get some game time, but they certainly won't be the first names on the team sheet. Great stuff, cheers, Jay. Right, okay then, um, Rich, just before we, we play our, our music by the, the band or artist it is that's been in touch with us this week, I'm going to get a score prediction from you both. So starting with, with yourself, Rich, Give us your thoughts on a score prediction and your reasons for them, please. Um, I think, like Jay said earlier, I think there's just going to be goals. Um, I think the, the chance of this being nil-nil are pretty slim. 
Um, my my money would probably be on on two ones Liverpool. Um, I think will will cause problems. We seem to have risen to the occasion against the the bigger teams this season. Um, I think we we seem to thrive um, a bit better against teams that have a bit more space in behind. Um, but I I still think um, with obviously the, the the title run still still alive and form that Liverpool are on, um, I. I, I still can't really see past Liverpool win. That's why I'm going two-one. Great stuff, thanks, Rich. Are you going to go for um, for a little, slight Liverpool victory there in a two-one scoreline? Right then, Jake, give us your thoughts on a prediction for your score, please, and your reasons for that. Yeah, I think I think there's going to be goals. I certainly do. Yeah, because I think the the managers are both quite similar in their approaches, and I just think it's going to be an entertaining game on Friday night and. Of course, I think Liverpool are going to win purely and simply because we have to win. But that that said, you know, I'm not disrespecting Southampton because I do think they've certainly improved under the new manager. And as I said before, it's going to be a lot tougher game now than it would have been, say, two or three months ago. And he seems to have done well for them. He's steadied the ship and, you know, they have won quite a few games under him because they were, they were struggling, really, really were struggling before he turned up at you know, St Mary's. And he's done a good job, really, all things considered. And he played a decent style of football now as well so I'm expecting goals I certainly am and be interested to see what they do in terms of Ings not being able to play so you know that's that's going to be a bit of a dilemma for the manager there and that might mean they've got extra bodies in the middle in the middle of the park so you know it's going to I think it will be a tough game you know under the lights at St Mary's it's, it's you know it's not one of them games that you can take for granted it certainly isn't but I just think Liverpool have got you know it means so much to Liverpool, doesn't it? We've got to get these three points because Man City have now gone back top. So Liverpool need to, to win this game to go back top again ourselves and put the pressure back onto them. So all things considered, I'll go for a 3-2 Liverpool win. 3-2 victory for you then, Jay. Yeah, and uh, for those listening as well, last week Jay got his predictions right again with his, his 2-1 scoreline against Tottenham, which is, you've got quite a good record this year with your scores, haven't you, Jay? So... Um, I think I've only got one um, from the podcast that we've done this season. So, yeah, my own thoughts uh, on a scoreline prediction. I'm going to go with a, a 3-1 Liverpool victory in this game. I just think that, um, obviously, Southampton being the home side, they're going to have to come out and play a little bit in front of, the, in front of their own fans, which will, which will obviously create a little bit more space for us to play. Like Jay's previously said, Southampton on a side that's that's going to kick you up and down the park. They're, they're going to try and play a little bit of football, aren't they? Especially with the new manager, they're going to come and try and get in our faces as well, try and press us a little bit, as Rich said. So I just think the Liverpool will have plenty of time and space on the ball in this game, which which will play into our hands really. And I just think that with the front three all playing pretty well at the moment, that we'll have. And with the momentum going into the final few games, we've got to win the game. And I just think the clock will have them fired up once again. And it'll be a be a three one scoreline in the, in favour of Liverpool for myself. Right. Okay. Then, lads. Just before we go, I'm just going to introduce the the music that's been sent into us this week. It's from uh, a guy called Anthony Russo. He's based out in uh, Los Angeles in in America. A song he sent us in for us to play is called California, and that's the song that's going to be playing with you right now.
I've been waiting all week. Take me anywhere you wanna. Tell me where to go, 'cause I'm new to California. I can bring the packs, and she don't know how to roll up. Talk about your culture, I'm tryna get to know ya. Come on, pull off to the side and we can walk, walk, walk. Empty in the bottle while we talk, talk, talk. Now I got you open, speaking soft, soft, soft. What took you so long? You don't have to run away with me. I'm not asking you to change a thing. I'm just trying to catch a wave with you before we get in way too deep. There's a resi at the lattice 'cause it's just around the corner. Just about how you want it, girl. You know it's California. Are you really quiet if you don't know what to order? I'm not tryna press, I'm just tryna get to know ya. And if you're holding on, maybe you should let it go. And if you're borderline, I'll get you a passport, baby. If you think less, maybe you will laugh more. Mix it with the juice, like a fool. Private on the hollow, we can walk, walk, walk. Not one that you wanna do is talk, talk, talk. Grab it on my belt like how you getting soft. What took you so long? You don't have to run away with me. I'm not asking you to change a thing. I'm just trying to catch a wave with you before we get in way too deep. You don't have to run away. It's a wrap when I hit you with the wordplay. Laying up, staying up till the birds sing. Don't feel bad that you did it on the first day. You regret it if you didn't. You don't have to run away with me. I'm not asking you to change. Catch a wave with you before we get in way too deep. You don't have to run away with me. I'm not asking you to change a thing. I'm just trying to catch a wave with you before we get in way too deep. You don't have to run away with me. I'm not asking you to change a thing. And that song was called California by Anthony Russo. Thanks very much, uh, Anthony, for getting in touch and allowing us to play your your track on the podcast this week. So. Also, just before we leave, um, just like to say thanks again to the at Liverpool online Facebook and Twitter. It's been putting out our, all our podcasts on their their social media platforms. Thanks very much to them, and also don't forget to keep up to date with the No More Knives campaign by Paul Bentley and uh, and the lads over there doing lots of good things in the um, the prevention of um, No More Knives in, in Liverpool and um, the surrounding areas. So, thanks to the lads for um, keeping us. Was involved with that as well. So thanks, Richard and uh, Jay, for your time tonight. Um, hope you enjoyed the show, lads. Yeah, it was good. Thanks for having me on. Fingers crossed for, for a really good game on Friday night. All the best, lads. Hopefully, you enjoyed the game. Yep. Thanks very much, lads. And uh, that's the cop table preview of the Southampton versus Liverpool.
Chelsea game all done. We'll be back with our Chelsea preview, which is the next next podcast. So um, keep up to date with the LFC Day Trippers podcast as well. They've got plenty going on on their, their social media platforms as well. So um, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will uh, speak to you all very soon. Goodbye. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Ese último McNugget me toca a mí porque soy la mayor. ¿Y eso qué tiene que ver? Los mayores se respetan. Eso no existe, ¿cierto, mamá? Ya, quédense tranquilas. Aquí hay otra cajita de McNuggets. Respeto, ¿viste? El no hay rivalidad cuando hay McNuggets deal. Hay un deal para cada salida familiar en McDonald's. Compra uno de tus favoritos, como unos McNuggets de 10 piezas, una Big Mac, una Quarter Pounder with Cheese o un Fileo Fish y te llevas otro por un dólar. Por tiempo limitado, precios y participación pueden variar. Válido para un producto de igual o menor valor. Sports Social Podcast Network.